The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. And the holidays are over, just like that. And it seems like every religious holiday this year caught me on a Monday. So um, I'm a bit of a stranger to the studio, so if my mojo is a bit off, forgive me, but I should pick up during the show. Uh, joining me in a couple of minutes on air is David Brewer and Justin Mamulis. We're going to be talking about disrupting the security industry and trends in the security industry 2019-2020. But first, let's look at the week that was. I'd love to look at the last five weeks that was over the past holidays, but uh, there's just too much that's happened. So let's start with the DA. The DA has suffered a mass exodus of leadership, and this was in the wake of Helen Zilla being elected as the federal chair. You had Ethel Trollope resign as chairperson. You had Musi Maimane resign as party leader. And you had Herman Mashaba, Mashaba, one of the most important men in Africa, um, the mayor of the city of Johannesburg, which is the economic hub of Africa, resign in protest of what they believed is a far-right element that has taken over the DA, they say, fronted by the Institute of Race Relations, which was where Helen Ziller was working as a fellow. Very interesting times for sure. This past weekend, we came back to what's known as the Brown Envelope story. Brown Envelopes, for those that don't know, involves journalism, and it involves journalists that are corrupted for one of two reasons. They're either corrupted to write a good story, or they extort the target of their story by taking money from them not to write. And in this particular case, uh, Gwede Mantashe has come out and claimed that he was the target of such extortion and ended up paying 70,000 rand to two journalists not to write a story that allegedly implicated him together with another very well-known politician in a sordid love triangle. Very interesting times for sure. What he doesn't realize is that by acknowledging that he may have paid these journalists, he's actually in contravention of an act known as PRECA, the Prevention and Combating of Corrupt Activities Act. It's quite frightening when one considers that. What should have been an incredible time for Donald Trump turned out to be actually not so wonderful. He came out with the news that the world's most wanted terrorist had been captured. Um, he regaled the media with the story how he watched it like a movie, how he was in the sit room, sit rep room and how everything went down in front of him and how he was an active participant in this particular takedown. Then transpired that the picture taken in the situation room was actually taken two hours after the event and people actually have footage of him on a golf course during the time that the alleged takedown took place. Quite embarrassing for him and even more embarrassing when he attended a baseball game last night um, in the National Baseball Series. He was booed and the chants, lock him up, lock him up, were heard throughout the stadium, which is quite bizarre considering lock her up was his rallying call during the election for Hillary Clinton. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of High FM, its management or its presenters. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. Incredible win by the Springboks yesterday. David Brewer, Justin Mamulis for joining me in studio. And the first thing I have to ask you, David, what do you think of the win by the Springboks? Chad, first off, con- uh, good afternoon to you and to all your listeners. Awesome. Uh, throat in your mouth stuff all the way through. Uh, couldn't relax until the last whistle, but it was uh, a fantastic win for Sia and the boys. Justin, what do you think of the game? I think that it was a heart-rendering uh, performance for South Africa. 
a lot of heart attacks along the way. I think so. It was, it was quite bizarre the way the scoring kept in line. You had South Africa score, you had Wales follow. You had South Africa score, you had Wales follow. Whether it was a penalty or a try, they were immediately behind them. At all times, it was just, uh, at one stage, just a six-point difference, but at most stages, it was as close as a three-point difference. What do you think about our chances against England? Um, I think we've got to change the game tactic a little bit if we want to take the cup home. But I think uh, I think we're there. I think uh, we're going to believe in the game plan. David, more of a running game? Uh, more expensive, definitely. Uh, I think uh, Rossi needs to take cognizance of that. We need to cut down the box kicks a bit and go out wide. You know, we need to get, uh, I believe, well, Cheslin Colby. He's going to be up and up and running again on the weekend. We need to make sure that kind of talent gets the ball, you know. If we carry on with this conversation, we have to break out the beers and get the bra going. So I think it's time we went on to the topic of today, which is disrupting security, security trends that uh, are going into 2020. David, you've been in the industry a long time. Tell us a little bit how you got into the, the security industry. Uh, security runs through my bones, Chad. Um, you know, in uh, 1991, uh, I joined uh, the military. We were cons- conscripted at those uh, in those years. And it was a natural progression for me. Um, I became a weapons instructor, and training training people was uh, was in my, was in my was in my blood, and uh, that carried through into the security industry. Trained many many security officers over the years, and uh, natural progression started my company in 2000. Uh, 19 years later, we're still going. I've still got a passion for training my staff. I've still got a passion for. Uh, making sure that everyone that works for us understands what's the end goal and how do we reach that and how do we secure our clients even more effectively. Justin, you, you have a, a background in, in audiovisual, a very strong background. How did you land up in the security industry? I think also natural progression, Chad. I think that um, I dealt with, I've dealt with electronics my whole life, uh, whether it be a speaker or a camera. Um, there you go. And I uh, got out of the audio visual, the audio industry, about five years ago, and uh, started doing cameras and started doing electronic security. And uh, it's pretty much the same thing. And, and for you, David, coming ninety one, the military, it was it was when conscription was coming to an end. Um, it was just before the Cadessa period. There was a, a lot going on in the country, and we weren't sure whether or not. And uh, we would make it through to 94 to the elections. After 94, suddenly security replaced mining as the single biggest employer in the private sector. But it was very labor intensive. Do you believe that the future of security in South Africa is going to remain labor intensive? Difficult one, because the answer to that is no. I don't think it's going to be uh, labor intensive. We're moving into the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and in a country like ours with such a high unemployment rate, you know, it's a major pity. However, um, I believe that the security personnel that we do have currently in the industry need to be upskilled. We need to move them into the electronic space, as uh, Justin was alluding to now. We've got to take them into um, the the audio and the visual side of security and, and make the effectiveness, you know, in that space. Um, yes, we're always going to have uh, the security officer that needs to man an entrance or man a boom gate, open open doors, close and lock doors. Um, but 
there's a lot of room in the industry now for electronics to replace certain aspects of that manpower. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, um, our security officers are very badly targeted in terms of crime. And um, we need to ensure that our measures that we do deploy not only protect our clients, but also protect our security officers. And we can do that with uh, deploying um, electronics, cameras, offsite monitoring and the like, uh, but still making sure that we've got space in our, in our society for the security officer. Now, your company is, is one of the very few companies that's fortunate enough to um, protect distressed assets that belong to finance houses, um, properties that have been repossessed um, and the like. Uh, are you finding that you can replace having a body on site with something electronic? Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, in our company, what we're trying to do is we're trying to remove all what we refer to as an unseen event, replacing it with a seen event. So um, over, and, uh, over and above the fact being that most of these distressed properties have no services connected to them, electricity has been cut off, water provision has been cut off, um, securing that property by means of manpower makes it quite a difficult challenge. So what we found is uh, we're putting in uh, electronic devices that don't require any uh, electricity. So in other words, ESCOM-free devices. We've enhanced that with uh, deploying passives that have uh, camera connectivity, and we get visuals in our control room. And whatever we're seeing, uh, whoever intrudes or gets onto that property, our control room personnel are able to make a decision whether they need to deploy what we refer to as, um, you know, we pepper, we pepper gas the property, so we fog that property with pepper gas, and uh, that's generally enough. To, to ward off the the intent of the criminal uh, aspect, and uh, so that's working well for us. Um, obviously, it doesn't cover you know external provisions that may be associated with that property, outside geezers, taps, um, geezers, etc. So, um, in not all applications does it work, and sometimes we need to to put somebody on that property to keep an eye. But yes, definitely uh, the future is uh, going electronic and um, you know it's a lot cheaper to our clients as well we're going to take a break when we come back i want to touch more about this remote surveillance i'm actually quite intrigued by this remote um way of applying the gas etc to be able to rid a house of potential squatters should they arrive and find the property unsecured and think that they can squat on the premises you're listening to the confidential brief with chad thomas on high fm You're listening to Confidential Brief. I'm in conversation today with David Brewer and Justin Mamulis. They're the management team of Lunga Security based just down the road in Edenville. David has a, a long experience um, in the industry, and um, it, it comes from labor-intensive. It's now moving over to electronic. And before we went to break, I had an interesting remark um, from, from um, David regarding flooding a, a property, one of these distressed properties, with, with um, gas to, to evacuate the, the inhabitants. Tell me more about this. Uh, when we say inhabitants, would these be squatters? Would these be um, potential criminals that want to break in and steal the cop? the fittings, etc. Hundred percent, Chad. So in this instance, uh, most of the properties are are vacant and uh, generally have no furniture left in the property. We do have instances where you know 
for instance, on a deceased estate, we may still be securing the uh, movable assets as well. But generally, they're empty. And yes, we've got uh, criminal elements coming in to vandalize and uh, steal whatever fixtures they can, remove those from the properties. Um, and then there's also the element of uh, people coming in to, to squat and, uh, you know, take, uh, take an opportunity of, of the empty property to try and stay warm and dry. Now tell me, you, you mentioned during the break that in the past, um, you would gas a property, but that would be a, a reactive mechanism of the device within that property. There was no human element making a decision whether or not to gas that property. What happens now? How's the technology advanced? Justin? Chad, we have invested a lot of money into our control room over the years, over the past 18 months. And the technology we put behind our control room and staying up to date with technolo- technological changes has allowed us to afforded us the, the ability to remotely dispense that pepper gas. And I just want to stress that it's pepper gas, not gas. It's uh, not harmful to anybody. It hurts like hell. And it's more of a deterrent as opposed to a disabling agent. So we're able to dispense it. The controller is able to make the decision as to whether it's a friend or a foe in the property and dispense at their leisure. So so let me get this right. You can have a property virtually anywhere in the world and you can monitor that property remotely and there will be a human making the decision what to do should something happen at that property. 100%, Chad. So we use a GSM-based um, system which relies on data or airtime, shall we say, and that sends our control room a five-second video clip of whatever movement that passive in the property is picked up. And based on that, we can see what's happening. We also need to strategically position these units around the house so we can see um, properly what's happening. David, would you have some other backup um, in respect of you, you, you have this pepper spray, you have the distressed property. The pepper spray has been deployed. Three hours later, it's it's gone into the into the atmosphere. People know that it's finished. They can come back in. Can you have a reaction capability as well? Yeah, hundred percent, Chad. So as a as a company, in the main, we don't uh, offer an armed response service. We do believe that. Um, that service is very key to the success of our operation, but um, we deploy third-party suppliers. We've got a number of those suppliers that work for us around the country that we're in contract with, and their job is then to, um, once we've uh, flooded that property with gas, our controllers then make uh, appropriate contact with the with the relevant security company who's based in the area of, of, the, of that property, and they go out and respond. The very big difference being, in your in your normal armed response uh, mode of operation, your response officer's main focus is to get to that property. He could be driving past um, criminal elements running down the road with a TV on his shoulder, uh, and yet is debilitated in that he cannot challenge per se those perpetrators. He needs to make sure that the occupants of the property that he is contracted to. Are safe and that there's no concern. In our instance, the response officers that we deploy to go out to these properties can challenge. Generally, you'll see, um, you know, the guys walking down the road or running down the road, wheezing, coughing, not looking too healthy, and we're able to uh, do the necessary and take them down and make sure that uh, appropriate uh, sanction is served.
Now, Justin, you, you employed in the business development aspect of this um, company. What is the vision? You were a company that was labor intensive and you're now a company that's becoming more electronic. What is the future of electronics as you see it? Chad, this is the, as I say, the fourth industrial revolution. And I think we are relying more and more on technology in every aspect of our lives. Um, unfortunately, like Dave said earlier, in a country where there's such high unemployment, um, this needs to be the fact, but it is a fact. It's a fact of life where we're at now. Um, my main objective at Lunga Security is to effectively go to our clients and save them money. And how do I do that is by replacing the human element human element with cameras, with electronic security devices, which does one of two things, Chad. It brings down the cost. Security guards are expensive and often not as effective as they should be. And secondly, we need to bring that off-site. In order to enhance the security of your residence, of your business, um, we need to have eyes on that 24 hours a day. And we do that through, like I said earlier, upgrading our control room through what we call black screen monitoring. We set up rules um, on the cameras. And when a rule is triggered, when there's a breach, it alerts us immediately in our control room and we're able to take the necessary action. David, when we started this conversation, you mentioned to me that you want to upskill your your current staff complement, but you're replacing them with electronics. Is this going to be natural attrition, or while this this process is happening, are you giving the opportunity to your labor force, because you employ almost half a thousand people, close on 500 at this point in time, um, do you give them the, 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 the capacity to be able to, to get trained in control room operations, perhaps to get trained in installation that you could subcontract to them in different areas, etc.? Yeah, 100%, Chad. So what we have is we've got an employment equity committee in our company. Their role and their responsibility is to identify certain skill sets amongst our various uh, divisions of employment. And um, from those reports, we start establishing which of those staff have the ability to move up a gear and come into our control room space. Um, and it, ideally what we're trying to do is we're trying to find um, – employees with um, a natural sense of awareness. Um, it's all about body language when you're watching cameras. Uh, Justin mentioned just now that we deploy black screen monitoring. We also do virtual patrols. And in those virtual patrols, the movement of people that you're seeing in a specific scenario gives away a lot. Um, you know, um, guys with a coat on in the middle of summer, in the middle of a heat wave, and, um, you know, he's walking aimlessly around, um, uh, uh, you know, a school where children are coming out uh, after, after their school period. So there's a number of things that uh, we look out for. And if certain of our staff have those qualities, we want to bring them into that control room space, upskill their, their ability, and obviously give them the necessary tools. So not just on the awareness side, also the back end behind the electronic so that uh, when, when we do have certain system failures that they can go in and address those as quickly as possible. I'm chatting to David Brewer and Justin Mamulis about the future of security, how security is being disrupted by the fourth industrial revolution and what the trends are going forward. We're going to take a break. We're halfway through the show. 
You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're chatting about disrupting criminals, trends in the security industry, the electronic age that is upon us in terms of the fourth industrial revolution, and taking us down that road today is David Brewer and Justin Mamulus. Now, David, hearing all of this, especially the electronic side of things, can be scary, especially for our listeners who, like me, come from a labor-intensive background. So I think it's important for people to understand that you are, you yourself believe very strongly in the labor intensive side of things. And when one looks at your business model, you're very unique in that your company doesn't just secure distressed properties for your clients. You also maintain those properties. So my question to you is, how do you foresee a property becoming distressed? And what do you do to prevent it from being invaded by squatters? Because that's the biggest problem commercial property owners have. Once those people have taken root inside, it's virtually impossible to get rid of them. Yeah, you're spot on there, uh, Chad. The key is to ensuring that the property um, is well-maintained, well-kept, and it fits in in terms of a visual aspect with the rest of the neighborhood. Once, uh, in most cases, in most scenarios, what typically happens is we stop cutting the grass, um, the gutters fall off, no one repairs those gutters, etc., etc., etc. We stop putting money into that property. Uh, everybody that walks past that property then starts understanding that, look, this is starting to look distressed, it's starting to look empty, um, and then uh, they set their eyes on that property. So part of our portfolio is we all go in, everything that's hanging loose, door frames that aren't uh, hinging properly, aren't locking properly, we take care of that, we fix all those aspects. Uh, we've got a division in our company that takes care of all the repair and maintenance. We also go in, we, we flash clean up, um, and we also take care of the gardens either weekly or bi-weekly, uh, making sure that everything is cut. And um, so over and above the securing method, either by means of uh, on high high property values by way of a security officer, um, you know, or caretaker or gas alarm, we we make sure that these properties are well maintained, looked after in terms of uh, cleanliness and order. Um, nobody nobody gets upset in the neighbourhood. They understand that their prop this property is distressed but it looks exactly the same as mine, so it doesn't um, get the attention of the wrong eyes. So, in essence, you're preventing social degradation from taking place and the suburbs collapsing. It's almost like in the early 80s in New York City, and it wasn't Rudolph Giuliani like everybody thinks. It was actually the chief of the NYPD at the time. He introduced what was known as the broken pane theory, that if you leave a building abandoned and a, and a pane of glass is broken and it goes unattended, somebody will come spray graffiti. If that goes unattended, somebody will now go stay in that building. Perhaps it will be invaded by drug dealers, by prostitution, and then the next building and the next building and the next building. So you aim to effectively reduce this or to counter this with your business model. 100%. That's exactly the model. Uh, we find that um, if we do keep uh, that social order going through the neighborhood, um, that neighborhood thrives and is a lot happier. Where we, where we find uh, social degradation is where we've got properties that are, are getting these unwanted elements, as you, as you alluded to, drug dealers, unwanted uh, persons uh, soliciting prostitution in these properties. We make sure that um, that doesn't happen. 
So it seems like we're playing catch-up, Justin, when you look at the city of Johannesburg. The city of Johannesburg has had hijacked buildings for the last 25 years, and it now seems as if there's a, there's a turnaround strategy in place. If you were to give advice to people within the city of Johannesburg that have properties that have been invaded or that potentially could be invaded, what would that advice be? Uh, Chad, I think that I'd rather talk on properties that could potentially be invaded. Once it's invaded, it's a long process and a legal process uh, to get to and um, a whole different conversation on another radio show. Properties that could potentially be invaded, um, we would say secure those properties immediately. Get the right teams in there, people who have a history, like Langa, who understand how to get that property secure and how to prevent it from being invaded. And do that a long time before the potential of it being invaded. We're going to take our last ad break of the day. When we come back, I want to hear from our two guests what the future holds in terms of electronic security. We've already heard some very fascinating things about remote surveillance, etc., which seems to be becoming the normal security. But I want to know what the future holds. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're talking about the fourth industrial revolution and how electronic security can help with the security of a premises, primarily in the industrial environment. Um, Justin, let's talk to you a little bit about the future now. We've discussed how electronic security right now is aiding companies in reducing fatalities, in, in saving properties, etc. But what's the future of this technology? Chad, with the... Enhancements that are made in the, are being made in the analytic environment, video analytics. Security cameras aren't just security cameras anymore. They're not there for the purpose of watching whether somebody breaks into your property or out your property. There's so much more to it. Analytics now are being used in the health and safety world environment, allowing cameras to watch areas where people need to, for example, have hard hats on. And if somebody doesn't have a hard hat on, It'll alert the necessary people in that area. Um, I think that the uses for a video camera with the right analytics to it are almost endless. And I think the clever people behind the analytics are doing a wonderful job in allowing us, allowing our industry to implement cameras in so many different areas. Let's talk about something industry specific. Let's talk about um, car dealerships, for example, how can analytical cameras assist there? So we hear every day, every week on the news, a car dealership's been hit. Um, either vehicles have been stolen or more importantly or more frequently, we hear about vandalism. Car tires, spare tires, windscreen wipers, etc. People getting onto these empty lots and, um, creating havoc for the, for the ownerships of the dealership, the owners of the dealerships. We are able to not only install cameras and remotely monitor them and alert the necessary armed response when and if this happens uh, during the silent hours. Um, we're also able to install cameras, and we do install cameras for when customers come bring their cars in for services. Where So there's no dispute on whether you had the scratch on your bonnet or not when it came in. We dedicated cameras for that specific purpose. So I think um, there's a lot we can do, and we, we focus a lot on car dealerships because we believe that our technology as we have it right now is a perfect fit, and it saves a lot of trouble and a lot of money ultimately.
David, somebody that, that was so, um, labor intensive, comes from a military background, involved in weapons training, took those skills, applied them in the security industry, got involved in training people. Are you not going to miss the interaction with so many people on the ground, or do you think there's still a place for them? There's, in the security industry, in a violent society such as ours, Chad, there's always going to be space for the human element. Um, but we need to, we need to, you know, go back to basics um, in terms of how we utilize those, those, those human skills that we have. Uh, we've got to move past the, the aspect of the security guard going into the industry for the paycheck at the end of the month. Um, it's a dangerous job, and part of, part of our responsibility as security company owners is we don't only have a responsibility to our clients, we also have a responsibility to the staff that we employ. So there's always going to be a space for them. However, we need to protect those staff as best we can, and we need to move that into what we refer to as scene events. And now, as Justin was alluding to now in terms of the you know, the, the, the huge advancements that we have now in camera technology, we need to use that technology to look after the security officer. The security officer, in turn, looks after the camera. He makes sure that the position of that camera, where we place that camera, isn't interfered with by, uh, you know, elements that have got ulterior motives. He looks after the camera. The camera looks after the guard. And together, uh, the control room can make the informed decision, assist the security officer on the ground to say, security officer A or security officer B, your surrounding is safe. You may now open that gate and let vehicle ABC in. So we need to work together. Uh, there's always going to be a space for the security officer, uh, but the security officer or the manpower on the ground, they need to uh, get to the realization that uh, the days of just sitting on a chair for 12 hours, looking aimlessly out of the guardhouse, waiting for something to happen. Those days are over. It's too dangerous. Um, security officers are being targeted, shot at on a regular basis, and we need to assist them with our technology. Justin, I was watching a documentary on the Rolls-Royce factory and how you order a Rolls-Royce to spec, and there are literally thousands of colors you can choose from. And I was heartbroken when they then went to the, the, the factory and showed these robotic arms painting these, these Rolls Royce, um, bodies. But then at the end of the process, the humans came out and the humans actually polished the vehicle after several dozen layers had been applied because only the human element could pick up in the finishing what was needed to make that car so unique. How would that apply to your industry? I don't believe, I seriously don't believe we can ever get rid of the human element. Uh, this is not Terminator. And um, we always need somebody to make an informed decision at the end of the day. But choosing the right person for that decision, to make that decision, and upskilling them to be able to make that decision is where we need to come in and uplift the security office we take off by replacing with, with technology. Um, I think that we ultimately need to be able to work together and embrace technology into our mix and not rely 100% on technology to do the job completely. 
Well, I must be honest, when President Ramaphosa embraced the Fourth Industrial Revolution, it scared me. Seeing images of, of robotic arms that are able to flip hamburgers and seeing that even McDonald's staff in America are being replaced by robotic arms scared me because we have a population boom worldwide. But it's encouraging to hear that people are being upskilled and it's encouraging to hear that people are learning new skills. When one looks at the way people use their cell phones, I don't think it's very difficult now to be able to enhance those skills into monitoring. And are you finding that cell phones are benefiting your guys on the ground? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, the technology we have now on, on, on smartphones, uh, we're able to utilize, um, you know, the technology of cell phones, WhatsApp, for instance, to get messages out there very quickly to a broad spectrum of people. You know, in our company, we deal with many third-party suppliers that assist us in terms of the, the armed component of getting to these various properties and properties that we secure. So cell phones, yes, uh, you can get footage out, uh, suspect profiles out very, very quickly. And uh, in terms of a communication tool, in not just uh, the, uh, the verbal but the, the visual as well, uh, cell phones are yeah, a huge aspect of uh, the security industry now, and we rely heavily on them. Well, I think it's good because when people hear about cell phones, we always think about the negatives. But what it's done is it's taken the masses and taught them how to use an electronic device, and they can now take those skills and apply them in a commercial environment. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we close, Justin, how do we get in contact with Langer? Uh, you can either contact us through our email address, sales at langasecurity.co.za, that's L-A-N-G-A, security, or we have a toll-free number, which is 0861-52642. Let me help you there, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> it's 0861-4, Langa, which is 52642, so 0861-4, Thanks, Dave. I never, ever phone ourselves. <laughs> well, that was disrupting criminals, trends in security, the fourth industrial revolution all rolled into one, chatting about changes in security. Um, next week, we'll be reporting on the upcoming Sasa Bravery Awards, as well as chatting about a very special guest that is going to be joining us towards the end of the year. In fact, this interview I'm so excited for. But uh, to find out more, you're going to have to follow us on our social media. You can find us on Facebook um, at Confidential Brief Radio Show. Or, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at FM. Thank you so much for joining us. And to my guests, David Bruin, Justin Mangalis from Langer Security. Thank you, gents, for coming in today. Thank you, Chad. Greatest pleasure, Chaz. It was an awesome experience. Thank you.